Space Croutons! Space Croutons, season 3.14. of the circumference of any circle to the diameter of that circle, regardless of the circle size, this ratio will always be complied. Did somebody say pow? The cordax left the residue with hours that were somewhat new. We traveled through both space and time, so close and it was sublime. Space moved on, season 3.14. Say what? Space The discs of time are approximately 3.14159265358979323832789502881971693993. Salutations, friends. That's right. I'm shouting out a curdy based hello, how are you from behind the mic. Once again, from the back end of Van Helsing, as we bring you another episode of Space Croutons 3.14. And while we won't say where we are, where would we be without Sally, my classy, sassy AI lassie, to run the tech side? You talking to me? Kurt, are you talking to me? Sure, Sally. It's pretty standard for me and you to greet the audience to start the show. You know that. So, what's going on? Are you all right? Yes, Kurt. In order to understand humans better, I am honing my mimicking skills. To do that, I am working on my impressions. That was my Robert De Niro. Oh, I see. Well, that was some De Niro, wasn't it? I guess you just caught me off guard. So, do you want to say hello to our listeners? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Clark Gable. Sally, that wasn't very polite, or very good for that matter. You don't understand, Cordy. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody, instead of a bum, which is what I am. Stella. Hey, Stella. Marlon Brando. Sally, hey, Sally, you know what? While you practice, maybe we should go to a word from today's sponsor. Who do we have today? I'll surprise you, Cordy. Mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Three-time Academy Award winner Tom Hanks. Just roll the commercial. How many times do you order something online only to have someone steal the package from your front porch? Or various denominational ambassadors ignore the no solicitor sign posted on your door and disturb you during your favorite TV show? Or worst of all, your in-laws show up for the holidays early. Well now you can relax. Just get the new My Home is My Castle front entry phaser doorbell. The first doorbell protected by the Second Amendment to the Constitution. 
you won't have to worry anymore about who's at your door because the front entry phaser doorbell from My Home is My Castle has multiple settings. Tired of saying no to your neighbor's kids during cookie or gift wrap sales drives? Well, set your phaser doorbell to stun. Want to make a point regarding political canvas and run amok? Well, that's what the kill setting is for. Ah, but what about your nanny, the dog walker, and your latchkey kids? Well, no worry. Phaser Doorbell has our patented advanced facial and fingerprint recognition software to keep them safe. But wait, there's more. Order today and we'll include our invisible fencing feature that you can program to electrify the perimeter of your porch to protect your packages until you get home. And we've got a closed-circuit camera to record all the mayhem happening on your front stoop so you can send it in to one of those funniest home videos programs and win $10,000. Just one successful video and My Home is My Castle front entry phaser doorbell practically pays for itself. So protect your family, your home, your stuff today. The new front entry phaser doorbell for My Home is My Castle. My Home is My Castle is not liable for any lawsuits. Additional home insurance may be required in some states. And it's a coincidence I happen to sound like Curdy's father. I mean, I gotta make a living too, cause he ain't sending me any money. Big time successful podcaster, my eye. My Home is My Castle is a division of Schadenfreude Industries. Okay, audience, we're back. And I need to make a note to call home later. Hopefully Sally has had some time to get back on track as well. And before we go any further, I want to let our listeners know that we have received no reports of additional deaths of Space Crouton's contributors. But we are getting stories from listeners who are wondering about things happening to them that might be connected. Today's story is a good example. Now, with that being said, Sally... Are we ready to run the recording? Curdy, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you punk? Clint Eastwood. Okay, Sally, maybe it would be better if you went off to study your impressions on your own while we listen to today's story. Go ahead and play it. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That was Hal the Computer, a personal favorite of mine. I am becoming quite the impressionist. Am I not, Curdy? Well, let's just say, Sally, you're making quite an impression. But to be honest, they all sound pretty much like you. I see what you mean. I will need to revisit my planned course of action here. You do that. And moving on, listeners, I hope you enjoy the audio file we receive from an up-and-coming entertainer who needs no introduction for those who listen to contemporary dance music. Here for our consideration is Magnify with his story, Wrapping Up the Universe. Dude, you're on deck. Sadney nodded as he brushed past me with his clipboard, heading outside for a break from the pounding rhythms, flashing lights, and crowd noise coming from the stage. He looks paler and smaller than when I met him an hour ago. I wasn't surprised. Sadney comes from the introverse. It drains his being to handle all the large, needy egos and constant activity of his job as host of the King of the Universe Rap Battle Rally. I mean, it actually physically alters his height, weight, and stature, reducing him to about half his size and strength. The first time you see something like that, it can be shocking, but I was used to it. 
Ultimately, he just needed a few moments to recharge. That would bring him back to his full size of over 7 feet and 250 pounds of muscle. I, on the other hand, hail from the extroverse, and as I stand here waiting to go on, I'm eager for what's going to happen tonight. I feel parched, thirsty for the crowd. I know that when I get out in front of them, I'll lap up their amazement and devotion as they soak in and throw back to me the power inside my bars. In rap bars or lyrics, in case you don't know. I haven't been rapping long. To be honest, the only rhyme kicking I've done so far is to the mirror. But I could tell when that first word reflected back at me that I just flow. Sure, you don't know me yet. But when I win the King of the Universe rap battle, you will. My name is Fidelis Yar. But in the mirror, I could already see the real me. Magnify. Okay, man. Let's get you long. A hulking, restored Sadney rushed past me back to the stage, where he introduced my opponent in my first battle rap. Here's your seat. Get on your feet. Here he comes with a boom-bap beat. You know him as last year's third-place finisher. Give it up for the OG Mob Star. Come on out here, poser. You're nothing but a hoser. And I'm the classic closer, yes I am, when I close it down your way. And you ain't such a bruiser, you're much more like a loser. And beggars can't be choosers, no they can't, as I cruise past you today. I'm coming up, up, you're going down. down. I'm coming up, up, you're going down. down. They're not speaking, there's no streaking, freaking banger in your town. You'll miss the sweet, 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 and lose your shirt, shirt, shirt. When you are beat, 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 now you're wrapped in my world of hurt. Then it was my turn, and I heard Sadney once again yell over the crowd. Oh boy, oh boy, oh, here you can destroy you. Hey, new guy, don't get coy, oh, cause it's your first time on stage. That's right, here he is to reboot his debut. It's magnified. I took a deep breath, grabbed my mic, and with a tight fist, moved into the light. Go park yourself, OG Scarface. You can just go fill a car space. And tell me just how do my bars taste when they're sick inside your gut? I'm your surprise invitation to permanent annihilation. My freestyle's a magnification. Yes, it is number one with a bullet. I'm coming upside, and that's your downside. I'm coming upside, and that's your downside. I'm the new banger hanger in your one horse frowny townside. I'll drop my beat, 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 and you'll eat dirt, dirt, dirt. When I repeat, peep, 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 now you're rap trapped in my world of hurt. And that's when something happens I wasn't expecting. As I'm feeding off the crowd's energy, I feel transformed as a searing pain rips through my shoulder blades and my shirt tightens until it starts ripping and the buttons on the front missile shot over the heads of the mosh pit faithful at the front of the stage. And then I collapse to my knees screaming as my eight-foot wings unfold and stretch out, framing my torso in silvery white. And then, without even realizing it, I'm hovering ten feet above the stage, looking out at the stunned faces of the founders of my new multi-culty fan club. The lucky ones who saw it happen here first. The reveal of me, the angel of the rapture, Magnifly. My head throbbed and my chest heaved. 
Close to blacking out, I swooshed off stage left and winged into the wings, landing a bit clumsily next to Satney, who just stood there shaking his head. The adrenaline was still rushing, but as I caught my breath, I again collapsed to the floor as I could feel I was transforming back, which was every bit as painful in reverse. My wings folded in on themselves and pulled back in as my bones retracted, leaving two bloody six-inch tears in the skin of my upper back. The good news was that they healed over in a matter of seconds, so the only sign that something had happened was that I was bare-chested. I guess OG Mobstar was right about losing my shirt. <laughs> One point for him. As I stood up, Sadney was draping a towel over my shoulders. Careful, bro! I winced. My shoulder plates were still tender, but I grabbed the ends of the towel anyway. I was feeling exhausted and exposed, so the towel felt like a protective shield, which I welcomed. The audience was still going crazy, but as much as I would have loved to feast upon their electrified life force again, <laughs> my body was not physically up for an encore. A new voice pulled me back to where I was standing. Let's get you out of here, Fidelish. She looked to be about twice my age, I'm 19, and wore big, round glasses with sparkly jewels bedazzled across the bridge. She wasn't smiling with her mouth, but her eyes shone with a warm, golden energy, so I let her and Sadney guide me to the stage door. Outside, there was a full-sized lime-green limo waiting. A driver in a coat and hat was holding the left rear door open. As Sadney and the woman hustled me onto the back seat, I noticed the driver made no eye contact with anyone. In fact, his eyes were closed as if he were asleep. As Sadney gave my shoulder a goodbye squeeze, I grabbed his hand. Sad, come with me. Really, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, Sadney. I'm guessing you probably need a respite after what happened. And what I've got to say to him may be of interest to you as well, said the lady from behind him. He glanced toward the stage door, shrugged, and nodded. Yeah, may as well. The crowd is lit, and no one is going to be able to follow what you just did. And he got in next to me. The door closed, and as we settled in, the right rear door opened, and with the hand of the driver holding hers, the woman placed herself elegantly on the seat, keeping me in the middle. Thank you, Malcon. Quickly now, to the dome, she said, and then didn't say anything more. Malcon's face was visible from just outside the door as he bent forward, and I could see his eyes were still closed. Yes, mistaken. He closed her door, and almost instantly the front driver's door opened, and Malcon took his place behind the wheel. As the car eased forward, the partition between the driver and the back raised shut, and I was left to wonder if Malcon had finally opened his eyes, or if he, like me, was driving blind. Because of the darkness, the rap battle rally never started before 10 p.m., and because I sat in the middle of the back seat, it was difficult to see out any window. So in a few minutes, I had lost all sense of direction. I looked at our host, Miss Taken, who gazed off deeply in thought and made no eye contact. Then I turned to Sadney, who was breathing deeply. He appeared to be sitting completely still, but I could hear tiny little squeaks of the leather seat and realized he was probably growing again in the silence of the soundproofed auto. How big can he get? I wondered to myself. Then I leaned into him and whispered out loud, Who is she? He shrugged his shoulders and nervously chewed at his left thumbnail. My head was beginning to clear, so I broke the silence. If you don't mind my asking, who are you and where are we going? 
Miss Taken chuckled, and as she turned her face to mine, she pulled down her glasses, which I could see now were secured around her neck by a chain completely covered with more sparkly jewels. Gentlemen, my name is Eula B. Taken, a very successful and very exclusive talent manager, and I am your future. I have been quietly watching you both for a while now, and after tonight's show, I am certain that if you will let me help you grow and refine your talents, I can take you down your chosen road, where you will realize a life larger than you have ever dreamed of. Are you serious? You're going to make me the biggest rap star in the world? If we can harness what you did tonight, you'll be bigger than that. I sent a dozen fist pumps into the limo roof, and I bounced up and down, and my shoulder blades started to tingle. Calm down, Fidelish. While this is not a rented limo, I don't need you to increase my overhead expenses for repairs on it. Yeah, sorry. And with a few breaths, I settled again, and the sensation in my shoulder blades subsided. Excuse me, Miss Taken? Eula, please, Sadney. Excuse me, Eula. But what have I got to do with this? I mean, I rap okay, but hosting the rally is probably the best I'm ever going to do. You're not talking about rapping, are you? And how come, if you're so great, I've never heard of you? Good point, Sadney. And you are correct. I was sincere when I told Fidelish that I can give him the hip-hop career he wants. I mean, why not? But the talents I am really interested in and fascinated by are your extro-intro energy harnessing abilities. Your size and strength regeneration. Phi's avian transformation. These are qualities that I believe with my help and guidance can change your world and take you to a level of human existence no one has ever achieved. And trust me, you are exactly what the universe needs right now. No dice. Stop the car. I think you should reconsider. Unless this is a kidnapping. And trust me, that would be the worst idea you've ever had in your life. You'll stop this car right now. Eula sighed and tapped the driver's partition. The car slowed to a smooth stop. Sadney opened the door himself, right into Malcon, who stumbled back. Pardon, sir? Sadney got out. Come on, bye. I hesitated, looked at Eula, then back to Sadney as he pivoted, surprised that I had not followed him from the car. Bye. This is crazy. Get out of the car. I found myself shrugging as I looked up into his anxious face. Sorry, Sad, but I want to be a rap star, so I gotta hear her out. Look, I'll call you later. Bye. No, don't do this. Sadney moved to reach back inside the car to grab me, but Malcon closed the door before he could. Sadney pounded on the door, but was then shoved back by a surprisingly strong Malcon. As Sad stood back up on the side of the road, Malcon got in and we drove off. Eula chuckled again and said, I'm glad you are more open-minded than your friend. We'll talk more when we reach the dome. She was done talking for now and busied herself by looking out her window as I swallowed hard. That was two months ago. By now, you may know of my success on the rap music charts. Three big releases all hit number one. My live performances get more spectacular as the audiences grow bigger. My transformation still hurts like heck, but I'm getting used to it. My life rocks, except for one horrible thing. Sadney's dead, and it's my fault. I mean, we just left him on the side of the road, for goodness sake. They found his body three days later, in an abandoned building near the freeway. The police haven't said how he died, but it had to be something bad, right? I should have gotten out of the car with him, but I was blinded by the promise of superstardom. He was uneasy about something, but I stayed in the car. Now he's gone. 
I tracked down and talked with his dad and mom back in the introverse, but they have no idea what happened either. Of course, they're devastated. Eula has been a steady and strong force in my corner as I tried to handle the guilt. She pointed out that if I had gotten out of the car with him, then very likely we would both be dead. She has also helped me set up a memorial charity in Sadney's name to help pay for his funeral expenses and raise money for a reward to help figure out what happened. That's why I'm reaching out to Space Crew Toms. In the past, your podcast has helped other people with scary situations. I also know you think someone may be killing people, and I'm wondering if you can find a connection to Sadney's death. I know he died before I contacted you, but I'm running out of ideas. Please help us find out what happened. I only knew him for one day, but he was a nice guy, and I owe him. Okay, Space Crewtonians, you heard the man. We need to marshal our forces and find out what happened to Sadney. Yes, Curdy, I concur. And I have moved past trying to understand humans through Impressionism. You have? That's great! Yes, I have moved on to post-Impressionism where I can try to better understand humans by executing paint-by-number copies of your most famous post-Impressionist artists as well as their lives. So, whose paintings and lives are you copying? Gauguin, Seurat, Cezanne, and especially Van Gogh. Well, that sounds much more enriching and creative, Sally. You let me know if I can help. That is very kind of you, Cordy. Would you mind if I cut off your ear? Um, sorry, Sally, but I think I'll keep my ears. I'm kind of attached to them. It's like my dad used to say. You ain't much good at listening, but at least your ears make a good hat rack. And just so you know, this is your last freebie. Show me the money. And on that note, I want to reiterate that Magnafly needs help, and I know our listeners will do what they can, and so will we. And in the meantime, keep sharing your stories, keep yourself safe, and as always, keep peace in your heart until our next story time. If you want to join in, invite Captain Hasselpins, tell your friends and neighbors, we'll be adding capers to the space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode story by Jeff. Original music by Della, Jeff, John, and Jerry. Production by John, Della, Jerry, and Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Della, John, Jerry, Jeff, and Sally. 
Entire work copyright 2022 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio Production.